Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Natchpreneur Movement and our limited series podcast on the NatX, the Natchpreneur Experience. Today, I am, as usual, super keen and very excited to introduce Emily from Verve and from Practice Pro. She's got an amazing uh, experience in providing incredible. Uh, coverage for her personal naturopathic clients as well as her multimodality clinic, um, an amazing partnership that she has with uh, the other staff members in her clinic. And uh, she also expanded to make one of the most uh, really valuable tools for any practitioner who has a website uh, to enable any practitioner and their clients to track their health and well-being. Hey, Em. Hey. <laughs> nice to talk to you. <laughs> so um, you've got this amazing multimodality clinic. Uh, the on social media, it is beautiful. I love your back wall, full of those yummy tiles. Um, oh, you. And you have uh, an incredible dog that's a therapy dog. And oh, yes, gorgeous. Um, <laughs> and uh, you've got this other part of uh, your practice where you utilize this incredible tool for your own clients and now you've made it available for so many others but it hasn't always been like that you were just saying just before we got on that it's actually been five years yesterday that you've been in practice yeah. is it is super easy from the beginning or oh my god totally everything just worked to plan <laughs> <laughs> no not at all um yeah yesterday was five years that I've been graduated so it's actually only four years in practice um now I spent the first year in tech support so absolutely not it hasn't been easy um, it's been super expansive. I think any journey of growth is, um, pretty intense. So, um, yeah, my clinical practice started in other clinics. So I've really only been running Verve as it is for two years now. And two practice years. for one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, and so, um, the, when you go from, tech support and you and you go oh yeah tech support I can just answer people's questions or you know that kind of stuff what made you go for the leap to actually go to clinical practice because we're going to have a lot of um, practitioners listening who might be in either tech support sales or something some other role who are considering what it's like to take the leap into practice mm. well for myself I I always knew that I was set to be a clinical naturopath because when I was in college I, that was my that was my jam was being in clinic. Um, I got like the clinical excellence award when I graduated. It was just second nature to me. Um, so I always knew that's where I wanted to end up. But as most people will know, there's not really employment opportunities when it comes to being a clinical naturopath. So I went for whatever job I could find on Seek that was related to naturopathy, and that was in tech support. Um, I got fed up, I suppose, with mainly with some of the culture within the company that I was working um, for. And um, yeah, I just ended up biting the bullet because an opportunity came my way. And I knew after, you know, trying to seek those opportunities for a year in a clinic that it, it wasn't easy to come by. So I jumped at the opportunity that was offered to me to um, move towns and start practicing at a multimodality clinic as a contractor. Um, I was offered like, you know, a lot of things that didn't end up happening as well. So there was some, you know, grandiose promises made. 
Yeah. Um, all of that was an integral part of my journey because obviously if I was just happy working in that clinic, I wouldn't be who I am today and I wouldn't have done the stuff that I've done today. So if you're curious about what it's like to take the leap, it's scary as shit. <laughs> yeah, totally it is. I essentially accepted the opportunity before I even spoke to my partner about moving. <laughs> um, but I think, I don't know, when the right thing comes your way that you know is going to expand you, you can feel it on so many levels. And if you don't honour that, then you will stay exactly where you are and eventually you'll become so unhappy that something will force you to make the change. Yeah, yeah. I love that what you just said about, um, you know, there's lots of opportunities that come your way, but you know when the there's one that really gets you because it is the, it, I call it getting the jiggles, you know, it really jiggles you on the inside because you're bumping up against your comfort zone. Yes. And um, that whole entrepreneurial spirit where you leap and then build the aeroplane on the way down. So you yeah. left and you didn't tell your partner along the way. Um, is there another, you said you went into a, a multimodality practice, but now you are actually running Verve. So how did that come about? Was there another leap? Oh, so many leaps. Yeah, I've just been leaping basically for like four years. <laughs> <laughs> um after I work, I, so I worked in two multimodality clinics and I guess for me, a leap of confidence in myself was moving from one multimodality clinic as a contractor where I had no financial commitments to working in a different multimodality clinic where I had to pay a rental fee. And that's where I really had the opportunity to start to build my own brand and not just fall under the brand of another clinic. So mm. that's when I got a website built and all that sort of stuff. And I was just on the go all the time. So inspired. Um, it's a yeah. really interesting point about that. And I think um, it's something I've spoken about over the years. It, it was one of my biggest growth phases to actually have to show up and pay money for stuff. And, oh, yeah. you know, when you, it, it takes you from that first little inkling that you're not running a hobby anymore. When you've actually got to f create the money, you've got to find a client to pay for your rent. And then once you've got that flow of money comes in, money goes out, you start to go, Oh, I could actually pay money for a website. And then the money can't, you find the money to come in and then find the money to go out. So I think that's a really good, uh, good point that you made there. Yeah, it's the first investment that you make in yourself as a clinician and as a business operator mm. when you start taking on financial commitments. So because also because I was paying certain fees and I was much more involved in the processes occurring because I was paying rent, you know, I had certain expectations of what I would receive as part of that rent. Um, that's actually what pushed me out of that clinic and pushed me to start my own business where I was operating everything because I realized that I could do it the way that I wanted and the way that I needed it to be done if I was doing it on my own. And that was one of the biggest leaps I remember. <laughs> I remember, um, you know, investigating how I could work on my own. I was living in a share house with an acupuncturist that I had worked at at the first multimodality clinic with. And she had a home clinic. So it kind of, it worked out a little bit divinely. She said, like, just start operating from the space that's already set up here. Um, and I would have to just pay a small amount of rent for each person that I was seeing. And I remember looking into um, how I could get an FPOS terminal. 
And I literally remember because I was working part-time at the time to pay for everything. I wasn't depending 100% on my business to bring me the funds I needed to live because that would have been way too stressful. So um, I remember looking up the high caps rental fee of $25 a month and having a plan of how I would have that $25 a month. Yeah, It wasn't even like, oh yeah, that's not a problem. I was concerned about the rental. I completely yeah. remember having a very <laughs> similar moment myself in the, in the yeah, totally. It's, it's incredible to look back though. And, and it's only a few short years. Um, and I think that's the thing that a lot of people get disillusioned by is it, it is really tough when you're, you're trying to find the next dollar, let alone, or, or the next $5, let alone, you know, hundreds of dollars for some of these things, but mm. it can be shorter than people consider, you know, oh, maybe it's a five-year journey, maybe it's a 10-year journey. Well, it's actually only been two years for you, right? In, in the capacity that I'm operating at now, yes, yes. but I've been yep. working towards this for, you know, really, I mean, the whole four years counts because all of that journey was essential in where I am now, but Having said that, the last two years feels like 10 years. When you're in it, it's so <laughs> yeah. You know, you lose, you lose track of time. Yeah. Um, but one of the most important things that I have learned that really allowed me to give myself some, some self-compassion and actually step back and choose to actively enjoy the journey rather than view it as just this struggle and eventually when I reached a certain point, I'd be happy. Um, I learned some information that, businesses have a life cycle just like human beings and the child phase of a business where it's dependent on you just like a baby is is two to five years so if you don't have the reality check of hey you are probably not going to be a millionaire in a year <laughs> it totally because if you have a very short expectation of what it takes to build something that's actually going to start giving back to you and be interdependent and not rely on every single piece of you to be able to make it function. If you're realistic about how long it takes to achieve that, then you won't feel disheartened because, you know, having a 10 year plan is important as opposed to having a one year plan and expecting everything to fall into place and, to be drawing profit in a year or two years or three years. Yeah. I, I think that's super important because so many business owners only talk about the money side of things, the turnover as a metric of their success. But when we're really looking at the time that it takes to achieve these things, it's, it's massive. And I yeah. don't think that it's spoken about enough to give people a realistic expectation of what it takes. Yeah, Totally. A hundred percent. Just like there isn't enough parents out there speaking about, um, you know, the reality of what being a parent looks like. Exactly. It's exactly the same thing for business. Yeah. Exactly. It's like expecting your baby to run within a year of being born and, and win a gold medal. Like, oh my god! It's not running yet. It's never going to run. I'm just going to leave it here. Yeah. Don't want it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. So, um, and obviously there was another leap that happened when, uh, you, you, so you've got Verve and, um, that's extraordinary, but there's this other leap because there's this incredible tool that you were using and now you you've created it and made it available for so many other practitioners to use. Can you tell us a little bit more about the state of health graph and how that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I was, first starting on my own, um, I realised that I needed a tool to be able to track 
all aspects of my client's health because I just was finding that I was spending so much of the consult focused on their concerns. I wasn't covering basic information about systems like, you know, do you move for longer than an hour a day, things like this. So I created a quiz that allowed me to cover all aspects of their health in a generalized sort of fashion so that I could then put all that information into a graph and show them exactly where the health is at, how things are interrelated, what we were going to work on, and then show them obviously as time progresses, how things were changing in their graph. So I developed this uh, would be three years ago or so um, to help me in practice. I was a relatively new graduate. So I was finding it quite overwhelming to be able to cover everything in one visit and um, I have used it in my clinic ever since. It's an invaluable tool for us. We use it with every single client. Um, when I was in Bali with you, <laughs> a whole bunch of people started asking me about it. And, um, you know, I was explaining it in regards to marketing and the fact that you could use this tool um, to be able to show leads exactly where they need to focus on with their health and most importantly to show people that health is complex and it's never just one thing and this graph does that so well um, I get a lot of leads on my website with this and a lot of people convert into clients without me even contacting them it's pretty awesome um, but I developed the graph and the quiz into software um, after just literally being asked so frequently about how people could have access to it. Um, I also wanted it to be available on my website as an opt-in tool. So I had it developed into software and I launched Practipro in a record time of six weeks. Um, last Christmas, well, the year before, 2017, December. Fantastic. Yeah, so that was, that was a leap in itself because, you know, it was an investment uh, into something that I didn't know where it was going. But I call Practipro kind of my love child. It's something that just has progressed and developed so divinely. It's something that, I don't know, it's almost like it's gone into being an adult much more quickly than my first child, which is birth. <laughs> I guess the yep. second child's a bit easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is the case in reality as well. So um, the, the really cool thing about this is for any other practitioners who are out there who have that little sideline thing that's going on in their mind that they, you know, they might be fearful about paying it attention or they might be fearful about taking away their time from their clinical practice to actually expand on um, that little project that actually has their heart or their passion project. What kind of tips would you give them? Follow it. Yeah. Um, it's important, I think, to have some amount of fear involved in anything because if you're not fearful, you're not stretching your comfort zone at all. You've got to have that tight butt moment of, oh, my God, should I do this? If you don't have that, then are you really growing? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think <clears throat> if you've created something that is needed and you are talking about it because it's helping you in clinic and, you know, that's how I started talking about Practipro because I was just sharing information about what was working in my clinic and what I was finding helpful and people just asked me about it. If, if you have interest, you have desire, you have something that's innovative. Mm. Oh my God, you have a limited amount of time, I believe, to actually create something out of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you have a passion side business, I'd recommend 
reading a little bit of the book called Big Magic, which talks oh, about big magic and the ideas. Love it. Exactly. It talks about ideas being an, an entity of their own. And when they come to you, you have a certain amount of time where that idea inspires you. And if you don't act when you're inspired, then I do truly believe it just fades away from you and goes to someone else. I agree. I agree. And I mean, that's, you know, that's taking us beautifully into our, our final question uh, around the themes of the conference being connection, collaboration and innovation. And um, I just, your innovative experience with this project, it's really similar to the Simple Clinic um, innovation of having something that was really helping uh, in Marianne's practice. And for those that are coming to NADX, you get to see M and, uh, and Marianne and a whole bunch of other people who are using these innovative side projects that then become some of the most profoundly useful things for mm. our profession. Um, and, uh, of course, there's Melissa with the um, Herbal Pro app as well. There are things that are sitting on so many practitioners' computers <laughs> that that are so valuable to so many people if they actually got them out there. And one of the things that I, I, I really admire about the way that you do things is not only your clinical capacity, and, but it is that uh, entrepreneurial spirit to see things innovatively and to see things differently. Um, but what, how have connection, collaboration and innovation shaped your business? Well, innovation has, has created a whole new business for me and, it's taken me on a journey that I wouldn't have ever foreseen. So I really surrendered to that process of innovation and it's something that keeps expanding. Practipro at the moment is, um, it's just getting started. <laughs> Basically, there's um, more innovation to come within Practipro, uh, which is awesome because it is the process of surrendering that allows all of it to come to life. Otherwise, you just get wrapped up in the fear of putting in energy and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, as far as connection goes, connection, I think, has been the most important and essential part of me not giving up because business can be really effing hard. And anyone that is telling you that it's super easy and you're going to be a success in a year, I think, take it with a grain of salt because it is hard. It is more than just building a business it's about becoming a new person basically you're adopting new beliefs new skills new habits it's really intense and the connection side of things which started with you Tammy creating the hub and the club that I was in which oh my god just propelled me to the next level um connection keeps me going because my biggest battle sometimes is having belief in myself. So I surround myself with people that believe in me because it pushes me to be the person that they know I can be. Mm. So connection is completely vital. If I were doing this alone, I'd still be in a bloody Cairo office <laughs> in a seven meter square office, just slugging my guts away. Um, I am super, super fortunate as well because I have an amazing sidekick, Wendy, in my clinic and we, we really, really help each other. So, um, yeah, connection in that way is so, so essential because there will be times where you doubt yourself and you need to have other people to pull you out of that space. Mm. Um, connection to myself has also been just totally next level because it's only been since I've been going inwards and doing all the inner work on releasing belief systems, 
um, and replacing them with new ones that actually serve me doing the inner work on becoming the identity of the person that has all this stuff that I want. <laughs> it's all that inner work that has also pushed me to keep going. When I'm triggered because of the inner work I'm doing, the people around me help to pull me out of that and see the illusion of what's going on. Mm. But um, going inwards is just as important as finding the people externally that can assist you because if you don't change who you are to evolve and adapt and become the identity of a successful business owner and a leader then it's very very difficult it's like being given a ship and not learning how to sail it so um, connection in that way internally and externally is I think debatably the most important part of all of it I would have given up a long time ago if other people uh, weren't there to tell me not to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's easy to give up on yourself, but when you surround yourself with people that can see all the qualities in you that you need to be reminded of, it's um, much more difficult to give up because you'll not only be disappointing yourself, but you'll be disappointing them. So yeah. that's been, yeah, very, very um, expansive for me. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. I love that um, that distinction with the inner connection and the external connection. Both really, so important. Yeah, and, and both are so important. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I, I agree completely. But particularly, I am definitely of the notion that entrepreneurship and um, owning a business is the biggest personal development journey that you can... Oh, 100%. Hundred percent, and I think that that is something that is not really understood until you're on the journey. Totally, yep. but you can feel so lost on it if you don't realize or you don't have examples in front of you of um, the fact that it is really just an exploration of yourself. Entrepreneurship and being a business owner is about uncovering all of these aspects of yourself that are just waiting to be pulled out mm. and amplified. And if you don't do the inner work it's um shit will fall apart <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's why i'm so excited about having uh an even deeper exploration in your workshop at uh at natix because it is you know natix is both the business aspect that external work as well as the internal work and i think it's such a profound thing that we don't have enough conversations about and i'm super super excited that you're going to be presenting on um on these types of uh conversations and that we are actually having two whole days worth of these types of conversations because they really truly need to be had um so i'm honored that you are coming and um thank you so much for our conversation today em thank you so much Tammy. all right uh we're what was that? Sorry. See you at Nadex. <laughs> see you at Nadex. All right. I'll see you guys there. Thanks again for listening. Um, and if you got something out of this, please share it. Uh, it, it. These are conversations that we need to be having. And I want to continue the conversation in all the other spaces and places that you find us online. Thanks again, Em.